1: Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions, and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host Lily Sinabria.
0: Hello, this is Lily, and today we have the honor of having Juanita Safley with us. Now coming from a family of educational leaders, the mindset of being a continual learner and helping others to achieve was embedded in Juanita's heart and mind early on. However, rather than following the footsteps of her family, she left her hometown of Jersey City to attend the Fashion Institute of Technology, pursuing a career in fashion marketing. While on this venture, she married, had a family, and began teaching and training in both a non-secular and secular context. Subsequently, she co-hosted, with her husband, two radio shows, The Parenting Factor and Tuned to Health, on the nation's largest radio station, Z100. The call of education was ever beckoning and Juanita began a public education career in the very city she originally left at 18. Her vision was, and still is, all students can learn given the correct supports. Desiring to see greater numbers of students be impacted in education, she held positions as a teacher, in central office, and as a building administrator her passion for learning ever-expanding, Juanita was accepted into and received national endorsement from New Leaders Aspiring Principal Program and is currently pursuing her doctorate in educational leadership. Welcome, Juanita Sifle. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much for having me on today. Great. So we are so happy to have you on our podcast. So as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. And we're going to do that today by asking you key questions. So are you ready to pour into our listeners?
1: Absolutely.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay, so first question. What moved you to choose leadership as a career path?
1: Well, I don't know whether I chose leadership or it chose me. My parents always made me feel like you can do whatever you want and to focus and to lead Mm. And so I was able to take that and put that in my toolkit and move forward with it. So I always was up for a challenge. Mm. I have a type A personality, so I always wanted to achieve. And, but my concept behind all of that was really people-focused. I was always concerned about helping people to move to the next level in their growth. So that's my path.
0: So it chose you. Basically. Okay. All right. So how would you describe your leadership
1: style? Well, my leadership style is that I value my staff and understand that we have a shared goal, that I believe that everyone has a voice and that each person is important, and it's important that each person feels heard and that their ideas are important. Mm -hmm. I would call overall my leadership style distributive, so that each group of people or individual person has a responsibility for lifting up the team.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. So you empower other people? Absolutely. And why is that important? A team has to
1: feel respected. A team has to feel heard. A team has to feel needed. And people are empowered when their ideas are being implemented. Mm -hmm. And some may not, but at least everyone feels
0: that their opinions are valued. So tell me which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why. Okay. There's
1: one that really resonates with me. And it says, but select capable men or women from all the men or women who fear God. Mm -hmm. Trustworthy people who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, fifties and tens. So... It's a scriptural reference Mm -hmm. um, from Exodus uh, 1821, and it just speaks to the kinds of qualities that people need to have with regards to being on a leadership team. Mm -hmm. Reliable, capable, that they fear God, that they're trustworthy, Mm -hmm. they hate dishonest gain. And so those can be uh, translated into terminology for today Mm -hmm. with regards to what the leadership team looks like.
0: It's interesting. You speak a lot about Team. What does it mean for you to have a good team? And how do you build one?
1: I believe that it's important that a good team is one that operates in trust. You build it by watching not what people say, but what they do. Oh, that's good. So that you're able to determine if that is an area of trust. Mm -hmm. Because trust is is huge. Mm -hmm. If you have trust, then that means that Basically, you've got my back. You're not going to let something fall through the cracks. And that's what the team does.
0: So Juanita, what type of leader are you inspired by and why? Ah, wonderful question. A reflective
1: visionary with a plan. Mm. One who is reflective, processes challenging issues, and who celebrates the achievements of the team. Basically, that's the overarching way that I look at someone who is an effective leader. And then there are some sub points.
0: Right. Okay, good. You're the <laughs> and, woman
1: with the points. And one that listens and doesn't act in isolation. One that leverages the strength of his or her team. Utilizing, pulling out those things that would help uh, the entire team to do well. Looking at what that person does well and strengthening and empowering that person has a team that includes those that may dissent and with mm-hmm. good reason. So I'm not, I, don't wanna, I don't want a team of people around me that just says what I want to hear.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me just um, park there for a minute. Why is that important? Because if I have a tale, I want someone to tell me.
1: I don't want to go ahead on strong head with my idea and then have a pile of people who say, oh, yes, that's the right thing to do, that's the right thing to do, and then we fall into a big chasm and hurt a lot of people. Okay. Uh, a leader that has mentors and ensures that the team does also. So it's not just me as a leader that I have a mentor that's helping me to grow in my practice, in my leadership, but that my team
0: has mentors as well. And that's a great point. Oftentimes, you know, we look for coaches, but does our coach have a coach? Correct. And, and that's important because it, it speaks to how they value coaching. And if your coach doesn't have a coach or your mentor doesn't have a mentor, it says a lot. I agree with you. Yeah. Also along this is feedback.
1: How well do we take feedback? How do we give feedback as a leader? Mm -hmm. Do we look for the positive and celebrate that, but then also speak to the things that need to change and speak to them very specifically and deliberately i have a couple more do you have time uh, for that <laughs> yeah we have a lot of time go ahead <laughs> a leader that can articulate his or her vision and mission and how the team will get there and what that means is one who implements processes for clear communication you can have an idea but if you can't communicate that clearly so that the entire organization is speaking the same language then you've got all these disconnects mm-hmm. and that's incredibly important. So ensuring that the organization speaks the same language mm-hmm. and a leader that has skin in the game. And what I mean is that they're invested in the mission of the organization, that they are working towards this and they would do or have done the grimiest job mm-hmm. to the easiest job. Mm-hmm. And that's the skin in the game. One that sees the importance of continued meaningful professional training of the team, and ensures the implementation of such. And then lastly, they model a work-life balance that is imitable. Mm. So those are qualities that a leader has that inspire me.
0: Wow. It's inspiring just listening to you talk about that. Because it's a person who you value, and it's really clear, but it's also someone you aspire to be. Yeah, one more thing is that it is important for
1: a leader to be approachable. Mm that you feel like you can speak to them and that you're being heard makes me feel like you're concerned about me and it Mm. makes me makes me feel like I want to be on your team I will support you
0: and so you understand that it makes you feel valued and you've probably like I have experienced people who are not approachable and how that feels and so you're intentional about making sure that you're approachable and that's extremely important as a leader
1: Correct. It's like I said, I learn things from being in situations that I never <laughs> want to be like.
0: <laughs> and that's the value of being in environments that are not so pleasant. There's a learning experience there. And so I want to stress, too, because I've been in that situation, how much I've learned. And I see how much you've learned. Of course, you want to learn it the first time so you, that you don't have exactly. to learn it again. Juanita, thank you so much. This is so valuable. Thank you. Juanita, tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it has shaped your life.
1: You know, I had many and I had to think about what is one that was basically overarching. Mm -hmm. And I thought about reinventing myself. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) During the time of the economic turn, I was in the process of changing jobs, as many of us were moving from a beautiful home in a pretty upscale neighborhood uh, in the suburbs, then moving into an urban uh, working class neighborhood. That was very much a switch for my whole paradigm. Mm-hmm. Dealing with an autoimmune disease <laughs> brought on by stress. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, wow. why work, that's why work-life is so important, right. work-life balance. Right. And um, these things made me persevere. And uh, it brought me as a focal point into public education. Which
0: is, by the way, very less stressful.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) No, that's very stressful, too. It can be. And that's why it's always that work-life balance that we're we're, uh, aspiring to. It's a constant. (laughs) But then I'm a type A personality. Mm -hmm. So it was, what does it mean in this type of organization that will help me to affect the most people mm-hmm. and that meant that I would then go ahead on and get further education. So I went and got my master's you went
0: back degree. to school. I went back to
1: school because it's all about being trained right. in order to be more effective, mm-hmm. uh, uh, surrounding myself with people who then spoke that language because I spoke another language coming from a different mm-hmm. organizational model and then continuing to get my EDD in education. Mm-hmm. So it's a continuous process for me. Wow. Uh, but that was a big thing that changed my life and was a big challenge. A big that shift, yeah. A big shift that now has helped me to grow in a different area.
0: Tell us about one of your greatest successes and how it has shaped you and the lives of those around you.
1: When I hear a question, I reflect on it. But the first answer that comes is, generally the one that sits closest to my heart. Mm -hmm. And I've got to tell you, one of the biggest things in my life that shaped my life was building a best friendship with my daughter.
0: Tell us about that.
1: I think leadership, too, has to be patient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, trials really test the metal of your character.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I had a tumultuous relationship with my daughter. And I remember saying one day in a speech that I was giving that I wanted to my daughter to be my best friend, and she was 12 years old, okay, because we were having all these kinds of clashing as adolescents, pre-adolescents. At that age, yes. Exactly, we we'll Which have. is what
0: I'm experiencing right about now.
1: So <laughs> it's all a learning experience. So now she's 29. Mm-hmm. Leadership is perseverance. Loving is perseverance. These trials help to build character. That was one of the things that helped to shape my life because it taught me how to interact with what I consider difficult relationships. Mm-hmm. And in and in leadership, that's super important mm-hmm. because it's not something you can change. I can't make that person change. I have to change in a lot of ways in order to be able to deal with that situation. That's what I had to do with my daughter. So we I had to change. She did some changing, but I had to change in order to be able to build this relationship. Now, uh, we were on vacation, and she said, Mom, is it weird that I call you and Dad a couple of times a day? I said, maybe for some people. She said, but you're my bestie. Oh, and oh. I, thought, I thought, it's happened. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> She's my bestie. So,
0: so there's hope. There's hope. Thank you. I needed to hear that.
1: There's hope for all of you out there who have adolescent age children or are in schools or in an environment where either people act, can act immaturely, or that you're dealing with situations in an environment, in an education, where your students act a certain way. You want to help them to mature and not take things personally.
0: You know, I want to talk about something you mentioned that you can't change others. We can only change ourselves, right? And in our lives, we encounter people that trigger us. They are a certain way, and they may not have done anything to us, but they trigger us. And as a leader, it's very, very important for us to know ourselves. Can you speak a little bit about that? I was in an environment, a
1: very close environment, with someone who I worked directly with. And they were pretty toxic. Mm -hmm. And every day I had to prepare my mind to not engage in that particular battle, which was pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And I had to be able to get projects out on time. I had to be able to communicate with these individuals. I had to be able to help them to feel valued all the while. And I had that privilege of being in that environment for three years. And so dealing with those kinds of things was strenuous and debilitating to yourself as you go in and you're in this kind of position for nine hours, 10 hours a day Mm -hmm. and striving to build a relationship with those people did not work. Mm -hmm. And, but just still being able to work in that kind of environment and not lose sight of myself who I am and what our mission is in order to accomplish for the rest of the team. So
0: did that? Mean it's not? Yeah, it did. And you know, a word that came out that jumped out was when you said privilege. Now, um, I've been in toxic environments before, and in hindsight, it was a privilege because there were so many things that I learned. So what would you tell a new leader? who's discouraged about their working environment or climate. They go into a situation and it's completely not what they pictured or thought it would be. Have them acknowledge it. It's discouraging and can be downright depressing, but I say do
1: what's right, Mm -hmm. stay the course, get a mentor, which I did, and have a thought partner to begin to build your own culture. You don't look at what people say, you look at what they do. Mm -hmm. So then you build a culture for yourself that will provide an environment for you that is up-building and effective. Mm-hmm. So it's like you may have this toxic environment. Yes, that's happening. But then I'm going to build something for myself that is going to help me to thrive. And that's what I would encourage a new leader.
0: Do you think that experience has made you a, a better leader? Mm-hmm. Beyond
1: question. Because it absolutely tells me what I don't want to be. It doesn't bring the best out of people. It can create dissension. It can create
0: so many negative things. And you can't do that and build an effective team. Juanita, many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners. What does that mean to you and what are you learning now? Enhancing what I know, Mm -hmm. um, being open to learning new things
1: consistently, Um, my life is a compilation of learning experiences that have brought me to this point. I am multifaceted. So even though I'm in the field of education, I love a lot of different things because I believe that all those enhance my learning. So I'm looking at, scientific documentations i'm i'm reading books on sociology i am taking spanish courses during the summer yeah. i am that's right <laughs> i'm i'm taking a sailing course i got my sailing certification i traveled across country on motorcycle i believe all those things help build who i am as an individual and can speak to the different personalities of my team mm-hmm. so In all those things, learning new things, one thing particularly, learning about data. I was afraid of data, didn't want to know anything about data, but then I realized how effective it could be in helping transform where we are as an organization, as a team, as an environment. Mm -hmm. And being able to fall in love with that meant that I had to train myself, I had to get a mentor to train me, a coach who drilled it into my head about what I needed to be. I tell you, it was very difficult, but I overcame that boundary. And now I'm like, okay, where's the data on this? How can we use (laughs) this? Now you're
0: looking for data.
1: Now, Now, right, now I'm looking for it consistently because I know that it's not just numbers. Those numbers translate into people, translate into change if used effectively,
0: Wow. That's great. You know, Juanita, as you were talking, one of the things that came to my mind is how curious you are. And I've known you for years. You ask the right questions. And if you don't understand it, you'll always say, well, tell me a little bit more. And certainly you personify lifelong learner. So tell me what you've read that our listeners should read and why. Well, I'll tell you, I read
1: one book that really transformed my thinking, and it's called Switch. And it's by Chip and Dan Heath. And it's a book about how to change things when change is hard. Hmm. Okay, so it's moving uh, different types of personalities in your organization. And this can be used with your children. It can be used in in corporate, it can use, be used in education, it can be used in churches, it can be used in anything. And basically, what it is, is being able to change the rational mind and the emotional mind. And not necessarily change, but get each one to see the value of the other so that you can move this team, and it's called Moving the Elephant, basically. (laughs) Knowing that there's an elephant in the room and getting people to come together, acknowledge it, and then being effective in moving it together towards the goal. An excellent book with excellent things about change. And then the other one I'm reading is uh, Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome. And it speaks very much to uh, where the nation is culturally right now. But my husband was reading it, and he encouraged me to read it. And it, and it just talks about the enduring injury and healing process of African Americans and, and how this book answers uh, these questions and more. Dr. DeGray encourages African Americans to view their attitudes, assumptions, and behaviors through the lens of history and so gain a greater understanding of the impact centuries of slavery and oppression has had on African Americans. With this understanding, she says, we can explore the role Our history has played in the evolution of our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, both negative and positive. This exploration will help lay the foundation necessary to ensure our well-being and the sustained health of future generations. And so basically what this is saying in a nutshell is how slavery has impacted the thinking, behaviors, and uh, feelings of a generation of people. Uh, Because of the trauma that was experienced then that still has found its way through the psyche of people of color, specifically African-Americans in this nation. Something that has not affected any other culture in this way uh, because of the enslavement and the lack of empowerment of uh, African-Americans.
0: It seems also very important for leaders who aren't African-American for anybody, really, who wants to understand um, the culture. Um, even for me, I have a son who's African-American, actually Jamaican <laughs> Um But, you know, to understand that from a different perspective.
1: Yes. And, and Lily, this is what's so important as a leader, too, to be culturally sensitive Mm, and that's a bedside manner that really needs to be uh, one of the things that's implemented in the education of leadership because there's so many different, I just saw a movie yesterday, basically a docudrama on uh, uh, Indian culture and the um, importance of arranged marriages and what those uh, individuals have to do in order to be pleasing to their families Mm -hmm. in order to be... And so I was like, wow, I didn't know that. But it helped me to be more aware. And so if I'm not with a variety of different people and know their culture or have an understanding, a respect Mm -hmm. of their culture, then I need to learn it so Mm -hmm. that I am culturally aware.
0: And it speaks to how leaders value other people. Because if you do value other people then you want to know their perspective and you want to know who they are. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that, Juanita. Tell us what you do on a daily basis to set your mind for the responsibilities that you have.
1: Well, I try to be reflective to know what I have done and what needs to get done. Okay. And then what I do is I make a to-do list. This gives me a basis for what needs to get done. And then I am able to deal with those buckets
0: And I want to kind of unravel this or kind of pull the string on this because I have a to-do list and sometimes it's extremely long and it looks like I keep adding to it. So how do you filter through that? Um, And I know you mentioned you're a type A personality. So what does that mean that you have to go through that whole to-do list list? that same day (laughs) you know sometimes it can be pretty terrible and uh
1: just because something is urgent doesn't mean that it's the most important Mm -hmm. i think when i'm in that kind of dilemma
0: lily Mm -hmm. i ask
1: someone else that thought partner that's why it's so important to have coaching and mentoring
0: right and you know not reacting to people because sometimes other people's lack of planning is not your emergency Um, well said it can also go into your flow and render you ineffective, right? So, you know, speaking a little bit about... And Lily, let yeah. me just digress,
1: mm-hmm. because my coach came to visit me in my environment. We had a plan, and my coach is very much like we're here from 10 to 11, and we make a list of what's going to, what we're going to talk about. Well, on the way to the office, people kept coming up to me, and I kept answering their question. And when I got into our conference time, she said, what did you see about what you did? I said, I was answering questions because this, the person had a need. She said, think about it. And this is where she caused me to be reflective. What could you have done differently? And that's what I love about coaching, because they're not giving me the answers. The answers you already know, but then you have to pull them out of yourself in order to be able to not get involved in those things again. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult that coaching sometimes that's when you want to say, just give me the answer. Just tell me what to do. <laughs>
0: because we've been so indoctrinated <laughs> right. throughout our whole education that you're the wise one pour into me. Exactly. You
1: make me almost like crazy. Like just leave. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you anymore. But it, it's made me who I am. It's made me a better person. And I had to come up with, I could have redirected that person to speak to someone else, or let me get back to you because I'm going here. So that was incredibly helpful. Mm -hmm. That type A personality wants to take everything on and make it happen. And I'm not a Superman. There are other people on the team who can do the work as well and as effective.
0: You know, one of the things that I want to speak about too is the life balance we tend to look at work life, but really when you're working, that's part of your life. So exactly. So let's look at life balance. A lot of educational leaders work extremely long hours. What advice would you give them about maintaining that balance? Because I know you work really hard at this.
1: Yes. And it's a constant challenge. And I've got to be incredibly deliberate Mm -hmm. every single day about what I'm going to do. Because if I'm not, it's like doing a financial budget, you can get off track. And when you get off track, you can overspend and have a really big problem. Mm -hmm. So what I try to do is to have my buckets so things don't get out of control. And when they get out of control, that you can rein them in. And so I have a frame. What's most important? How I begin my day. I begin my day with prayer and Bible study and then my family they're next important. Staying physically fit, that's important with having that balance in order to be able to do effectively the work in my work environment. But I've got to lay a foundation so those other things are effectively done.
0: So let's park there because oftentimes as leaders, that's the least important. So (laughs) exercise, physical fitness, why is that important?
1: you know your body breaks down you're sitting in the same position you are standing in the same position you are needing to move to get endorphins going it's scientifically proven why physical exercise is so important my blue cross blue shield gives me incentives for being physically active but i don't need them to do it this is an inherent kind of a thing that it just pushes me i know too that if I don't actively do things, that I will begin to become introspective, mm-hmm. sad. I need to work out. Okay, work. What does it work out mean? That means that I will capture any time. I'll go for a walk. I'd like to go to the gym, but if I can't do that, I'm going to figure out a way. So I'll I'll walk. I will do some sit-ups while I'm at my desk because I have a stability ball. I will oh, do something love that. in order to be able to say that exercise was done, stretch. I, those are important things. Even though you are in this work environment, what are you doing in order to be able to stay physically fit and healthy?
0: You know, one of the things that I've been doing recently is I don't sit at a desk. I put my, my laptop on a shelf, and as I'm doing work... I can work out a little bit. I can stretch a little bit. I can do the balance. Exactly. Um, because I've also done the research about how exercise is great for your brain. And if you're a good leader, we want you around. <laughs> exactly. If you know another study, the effects of sleep and
1: lack of sleep, how important it is for us to get the right amount of sleep. Without the right amount of sleep, you can get depressed. Mm-hmm. You can get anxious angry deal with people in a short tempered manner sleep is vital what it does is it helps to process our thinking Mm -hmm. it helps to rejuvenate our body sleep is underrated but it's so necessary
0: that's a great point is there anything that you do to help you sleep better in a perfect world (laughs) (laughs) By the beach, on a hammock. (laughs) Right. That would be the
1: way to do it. Um, I know that I carry a lot of things, and one of the things that can really affect me is worry. Mm. And so I've really got to stay in a frame of mind where I'm talking about the things that are troublesome or or big things on my back. Mm -hmm. I've got to be able to, at the end of the evening, start to wind down.
0: Hmm.
1: Not be on my laptop in bed.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad habit but, a bad, to, yeah. but
1: to be able to wind down, dim the lights, change the environment, to be able to just get into that sleep kind of mode. But I have gotten up at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, something just it wakes me up and then what I have to do is write it down. I have a pad by my bed and a pen and I write it down and then I'm able to just say, okay, I will do that tomorrow. And that helps me to sleep a lot better.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. So do you use any technology or apps to help you either monitor or organize your day? I looked at this from a perspective of working with the team. Mm -hmm. And one of
1: the things that I like to do is Google Hangout because that allows me to see everyone. Everyone has a room and has an opportunity to see each other and can weigh in on things. And you can see facial expressions. <laughs> right. You can see what people, you know, those nano expressions that people are, are like, I'm not getting this or I don't agree. And then we can talk about different things. So I like that face-to-face when we can't be face-to-face. So that's that's a huge thing. And then also Google Drive so you mm-hmm. can deal with things immediately. Uh, so those things, even what we're, what we're doing right now, we're Skyping. Mm-hmm. So that it decreases the amount of travel time. But yes. then it allows us to be able to effectively get things done.
0: And still communicate and still have breakfast while you're over there. there and you I'm don't. over here. <laughs> high five. High five. Sweet. Nita, I can't believe it. We've come to the last question. So Juanita, if you were to go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership?
1: It's a journey. Know the importance of relationships. Make sure you give an explanation for what you do. You just don't tell people what to do. Either you draw it out of them or you say, this is why we're doing something. That's that whole communication aspect. It helps people to understand what is being done. Why, where, how.
0: Well, Juanita, this has been a great journey for us. I want to thank you so much for adding value, not just to me, but to our listeners. You've been great. Thank you for having me. Okay. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hello leaders. Don't forget to go to our website at masterleadership.org to get show notes for this episode and to find out how to get a free coaching session from one of our exceptional educational leadership coaches that are featured on this podcast. Until next time. Bye.